Tom Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky thing, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on The Tom Sumner Program. Somewhat in the nature of an encore, here are some extended remarks of the junior senator from Arizona, Barry Goldwater. My colleagues in this great party... No campaign could get rolling without some slogans. Words to quicken the patriotic pulses of the people and get them steamed up to go out and elect Goldwater. You'll notice that these slogans are set with the compass heading of the new frontier wagon train, and some of them may even strike terror in the heart of Mr. Khrushchev. Now, the first one I borrowed from my Texas friend while he wasn't operating his television station Mr. LBJ. It merely reads, Forget the Alamo. (laughs) But I have, gentlemen, some others that are equally inspiring. Surrender hell. I have not yet begun to negotiate. (laughs) Or this one. Millions for defense, but not one cent for victory. And this one certainly will raise the hackles on the voters' hearts. 54-40, or a reasonable compromise. And one more. Damn the torpedoes, we're unilaterally disarmed. My inaugural address will establish precedent by the same kind of brevity. When I'm sworn in by Earl Warren, who will no doubt regard this act as a violation of his oath of office, (laughs) all I intend to do is raise my hand and say, I do. I have some other notions that I shall reserve for my first State of the Union message. For example... I'm going to propose a constitutional amendment that any decision of the Supreme Court must make sense. I I know it'll be controversial, but I think it deserves an airing. Gentlemen, I suppose no acceptance speech would be complete without a reference to the candidate's background. Very simply, I think that I'm in the American tradition. Gentlemen, I was born in a hog cabin, which I had moved to Phoenix. (laughs) And except for some air conditioning, 
a swimming pool, a bowling alley, a bar, a shooting range, and a golf course, it remains the same simple log cabin it always was. Now, don't misunderstand me, gentlemen. I have nothing, absolutely nothing, against millionaire presidents. I'd just like to see the day return when people other than presidents can be millionaires, too. (laughs) And I might remind you, gentlemen, that I have another sterling quality. I have never hesitated with an answer. When anyone asked me how I stand on integration, I only have one answer. Where are you from? (laughs) Gentlemen, I'm flattered that you thought first of my name. I have every confidence with that all of you behind me, I could become another Alf Landon. Do your share, and I pledge you, I will do mine. Thank you. Thank you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. 
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with uh, the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program, and we've been uh, off and on talking a little bit about redistricting and who better to talk to than uh, somebody who's running in this uh, in this year's midterm election and uh, someone who has served as uh, 
Secretary of State, and she joins me by phone, Ruth Johnson. Uh, good morning, Ruth, and uh, welcome to the show, or I should say welcome back. Yes, thank you, Tom. It's great to be here again. Um, let me ask you, I, I, I want to talk about this first, and then I want to talk about some of the differences in, uh, um, because you're running for re-election for the state Senate, correct? Yes. And I want to talk about how your district has changed, but I also want to ask, this is an an unusual year because of the um, grassroots efforts to successfully create and establish a citizens advisory or citizens redistricting uh, commission. And uh, so for the first time, it hasn't been done by legislators and and really kind of the ruling party as as it has been practiced in the past um it this is something that happens every 10 years because of census and a, a, right. a way of of you know realigning districts so that the right number of people are represented etc yeah. is this one I, I mean, you've been through this a number of times. Most people don't even notice that it happened. <laughs> and and this year, it's like a really big deal. Is it a really it big is. deal? Yeah, sure it is. Um, uh, well, Proposal 2 that passed in November of 2018, it created the Michigan Independent Redistricting Commission. And those proposals, two and three, were the biggest changes we've had in elections in over a half a century. And I think there's been a lot of contra uh, controversy surrounding the panel. I, I didn't really support the proposal. The legislature used to perform redist the redistricting process, the House and the Senate. And um, there were a lot of rules we had to follow. And uh, we had to follow federal standards called the APOL standards that um, were were mandatory. And when I was in the House of Representatives, I remember not only did we pass it by caramel, both the House and the Senate unanimously, we did, we did both Democrats and Republicans unanimously. So um, there's, I think some of the um, information that went out before the vote on that might not have been 100% accurate. So when you look at the maps that this um, panel has created, by the um, redistricting commission, there's a lot of questions how they carved up communities. There's a lot of cities and townships and counties where they cut up, they cut them up into multiple legislative districts, and um, I'm not sure there was a good reason or explanation for that. And another concern that was raised um, is regarding minority representation, which we had to do under the APOL standards. But they drew districts around Detroit that, even though Detroit's our largest city and could have multiple districts uh, inside of itself. They drew them into the suburbs and really diluted the votes there. So, um, for example, in the Senate, we have Senator Marshall Bullock from Detroit, who was drawn into the same seat as Senator Mallory McMorrow, who's from suburban Oakland County. And they, they made a seat that's 35% Detroit, 65% of the communities. And out of that, 40% are African-American and 48% um, Caucasian. So I, um, I know that it was a big concern for a lot of people in the African-American community. And another concern with the redistricting commission is 
even though the maps have been done for months. It's my understanding that they're continuing to meet once a month so they can draw their $56,000 a year salaries. It's just wasteful spending on themselves. Uh, more bureaucracy. I, I don't think it was the intent when that commission was created, but as far as I know, all the lawsuits are done, the ballots have been printed, and their work's done. Well, yeah, I think most people who supported it um, kind of had the impression that a, a panel would be selected, and they would go off, you know, to a cabin in the woods somewhere for two weeks or two months or something, and they would come out, and this would be the new map, and that's the last we'd hear of it for 10 years. Well, I, I think you're right, and, and um, so in the new maps, I was drawn in with another incumbent, uh, incumbent Senator Doug Wozniak from Shelby Township, and he, he, um, he took office last year after a special election to, um, to replace Senator Pete Lacido, who became a Comb County prosecutor. And then Doug decided that um, he is going to run for the House instead. So I don't have a primary opponent in the August election. And so and now um, the seat I'm in, I, I currently serve as a senator as the 14th district that runs from where I grew up, Waterford, up <coughs> to Grand Blank. And uh, it, it is what you would call a swing seat. It's very close. A Democrat or a Republican could win it. But, um, it, you know, it's evenly divided between um, Republicans and Democrats. And there's about 260,000 people in each state Senate district. But... The new seat that the redistricting commission drew has four different counties in it that uh, I hope to have the honor to represent. And I keep one township in Atlas in Genesee County. And then I have most of um, northern Oakland County. And I have the southern portion of Lapeer County. And I have part of the northwest Macomb area. So, uh, And that district is heavily Republican. I think on paper it's about a 22-point advantage. So again, I'm not going to complain for pers for my own personal election, but when, <laughs> but when you look at it, I'm not sure that was the intent of the people who really advocated for independent redistricting commissions. It's just it's not it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And you know, in Macomb, I have most of Shelby Township, but not all of it. I, I maybe have a fifth of Macomb. Uh, Macomb Township in Macomb County, and I crossed four counties with some splits in both townships and cities, and I, I only have um, one single township in Genesee County. That, that doesn't necessarily make sense why the district would be drawn that way, so I, I'll do my best. I'll work very hard to represent everyone that I can, but in terms of crossing a lot of municipal and county lines, it just makes it far more complicated. Well, Ruth, this um, this new district it it sounds like um, you know like a good deal for you from a, a political standpoint. If it leans that much Republican, and you're the Republican on the ballot, um, and but you have name recognition that some other candidates don't, even some that are running for re-election. Um, if you didn't, if you hadn't held a statewide office, if you didn't have that that name recognition and, of course, party identification in an area that leans that way, would this be like running from scratch again? Is it for a lot of incumbents around the state? 
Oh, yeah. It's like I'd lost almost 90% of the population that I've um, been representing in the Senate. Um, a lot of people, when you look at these districts, they're split over. I mean, they're split by township. They're split by city. They're split by county. Um, they really, I just don't see why they did what they did. Um, it, it, it's kind of a mess, I think. And yes, for many people, it's like just starting out. And uh, you're correct if I didn't have good name recognition. And then uh, Doug Wozniak decided to, he had signed up to run for Senate and we were going to run against each other. And then he made a decision to run for the House instead. So I don't even have a primary opponent. So I'm not complaining for myself, but I do believe that the system that was used is not what people thought it was going to be. And I don't think they thought they were going to continue to pay people to meet once a month either. I mean, it's just um, more bureaucracy and more problems, in my opinion. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um, you know, we get so concerned with how it's going to impact uh, campaigns and elections and running for office, but what about governing? Well... Um, I personally support term limits. I voted for them, and I still like them. Um, but, you know, it, it, you have to hire really good staff, and I think that's really the key, staff that's, number one, honest, and number two, they've been around a while, because when you first start out, it, it is a little bit difficult to uh, catch on. Not everything's in the manual, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder if there are, you know, if there's if there's a training session for, especially for new candidates. But when I bring up governing, I'm thinking about specifically how governing is impacted by these new districts and by people representing um, these these odd um, combinations of of cities and townships. Well, since you only need 260,000 people per, I'll just use Senate as an example, um, a Senate district, um, being spread over four counties will certainly make our workload much, much higher. And and, um, and I don't mind. Uh, I love my job. It's a passion, a hobby, and I even get a paycheck for it. But it makes it really difficult for people to become experts as much as they can on four counties. Now up north you might have 20 counties, but down here in southeast Michigan, we have uh, about half the population of the whole state. So, um, you know, for us, we have so many changing gears every place. It, it does make it um, more difficult. And the other thing that I have seen in Lansing that I'm concerned about is the, uh, is there's, it's not as transparent as it used to be, which then seems to allow um, behavior that I don't think is best for the public by some elected officials and some bureaucrats. And uh, I, uh, I lament the older days when that was rare rather than um, more common now. And well, the, we fact that, that, the fact that Michigan is one of, I think, two states in the country that exempts the legislature and the governor's office from FOIA doesn't help. 
I, I just can't tell you how offensive I find that. We need laws <laughs> to make us be transparent. If we're not, and we don't have checks and balances in places, and, and all the different places, you will find people that take advantage of the system, and many times it's at the peril of the public. When people make deals and get a bunch of money that they don't have to claim, um, which has uh, happened with the uh, leadership and others, um, and it's more pervasive than ever, in my opinion, uh, you're not going to have good governance. I don't care who's there, because you have some people that um, will trade for um, for money that they don't have to claim. We, we, we're allowed to do that. And right now, more than half the money that goes towards elections in America more than half of it's never claimed. I want to know who took money from who before I vote. To me, that's very important. Well, but I remember also, I remember you bringing that issue up and, and raising that issue when you were Secretary of State to the point I, I, I really was concerned, and we talked about it on our political roundtable, that you might get drummed out of the Republican Party over some of the things you said about... Uh, um, making donations public. Right. I, you know, right now, um, you can have an officeholder's expense account. And uh, I had one as Secretary of State. I didn't think people, taxpayers, should have to pay for photos or frames or other things like that. So I didn't raise much. I don't know. Um, it's a very low amount. But I put in a system before I left the Secretary of State's office that can be used for all of us to claim those dollars so that people know when we get that money who we got it from and what we used it for. I was the only one that uh, that declared, and I used um, it on my website, and I did it four times a year. Um, it's so important for the public to know where people are getting money, plus you can hold people accountable. And um, I'm just concerned about... Uh, these kinds of monies that trade hands. You know, even um, the governor, uh, when she ran, she used $2 million of dark money, didn't claim it until after the election. And then I always gave 100% fine. I didn't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, a family member, I, 100%. She got, she got a fine of 1.8% by this current uh, Secretary of State. Once you have elected officials that are in positions like Secretary of State, and you use your, your position to be partisan, you use your position to help your party and what you're trying to get through rather than being fair and honest to everyone, you've got trouble. And I'll tell you, she, she's done so many things to hurt integrity in our elections. It's just such a disappointment to me and the staff that I worked with, too. You couldn't even tell whether I was a Democrat or Republican because my job was to give out driver's licenses. Well, yeah, the Secretary of State's office really l lends itself to um, almost being completely independent. It is. It's a separate constitutional officer. <clears throat> and then when we pass bipartisan bills, it just makes sense, like having election challengers training required to make sure people know what to look for, to allow more places for people to vote, to... Um, Let's talk uh, about that, about expand elections. Expand polling locations. This governor, even though it passes even with every Democrat in the House of Representatives, she 
vetoes the bills. And then, worse yet, when we opened it up for more places to vote, uh, it was an Ann Boleyn bill out of Livingston County. She's been a clerk in the past. She wanted more places because we use, you know, we use different places. We use fire halls, township halls, city halls. Sure. Uh, but we're, uh, schools are a big one. And so um, in Waterford, they closed down the schools because there's so much commotion and so many people in the building for Election Day. So she wanted to open it up to more places. So one of them was uh, we put in, because Macomb, one of the Macomb clerks asked to have um, some of those uh, banquet centers used. They're all ADA. They have big parking lots. They're usually not busy on Tuesday. It was a great idea. And Ann put in that they could put a whole precinct inside of like an apartment complex or condo complex. Uh, you can't have more than 2,999 people per precinct. That's why you don't see the big lines that you do like in Florida where they have early voting. We have very small local, locally conducted elections, 1,520 clerks. Most uh, states would be 83 clerks the county clerks rather than local but we're local they're they're more transparent more accountable and i like the system it's a very difficult system if you're secretary of state but um here we just wanted to open it up to more places and she went to an naacp meeting and said i'm announcing here that i'm just vetoed this bill that that hurts people that live in apartment complexes from uh, makes it harder for them to vote no it was a hundred percent the opposite I know in, in Lansing, often 20% accuracy and 80% creativity happens a lot, but it's rare to see somebody um, talk like that, and 100% of what she said was not accurate. And it makes people angry. Like, we should, we should be working together when we can. Ruth, speaking of that, um, ever since the uh, uh, 2020 presidential election, there has been this this huge debate over voting reforms and election reforms with a great many people who think that uh, the 2020 presidential election was completely fraudulent and that Biden wasn't legit, legitimately elected president. Um, and, and then there are people who think that, um, you know, that, that it was probably one of the best run elections ever. Um, where do you fall in that great divide, especially with your experience having been Secretary of State for Michigan? Yeah, I cringe when I hear it was the best, most technically advanced and the most <laughs> that, that is uh, just not true. Well, and, I, and I thought if I was going to deal with extremes, I'd do them both. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, in... in um, in November of 2018, there were more changes made to our elections than in a half a century. And often, when people talk about it, they ignore that. That that allowed the system to be gamed legally, and there were some things that weren't quite right. So there were definitely issues, but I'm not sure it would have swayed any final outcome. But I, I think we should have done a better audit invest, uh, investigation to pinpoint the problems, because... Here's what Prop 3 did, and, you know, the media really did not characterize it that I ever saw that was 
totally thorough um, because people really wanted same-day registration. Well, Michigan, because we have local control, if you have someone register the same day, we don't have real-time computers, so we, we wouldn't even know uh, if these, these individuals are eligible to vote or already voted in another location because we don't have the ability to check it. That was never told to anyone when they voted. They also said, um, your ballot's going to be private, secret, that's already law, and they also said another Trojan horse. You will, um, uh, we will get out the ballots to the military 45 days in advance. That was already a state and federal law, and there's no controversy on that. So it's um, interesting the Trojan horses that were used, but it, it, it allows people to register and vote without ever being seen in person. We had a law before that. We had to see a real person once. That's gone that um, ballot proposal. And that was our first big election uh, after that, right? And, and it, it enables people to register and vote in the prior 14 days um, or right on election day without showing any ID. And, um, and, and um, these are concerns and, and people, I think, they know something's wrong. They just don't know exactly what it, what it is. So I, I think we should have done a better job in... Um, audit and in an investigation so that we could assure people where the problems were at and how we're fixing them. But um, I, I don't think that... Uh, how are we going forward? Is it, is it improving with some of the new laws or um, is it likely to, to get more difficult? Um, you know, what I'm concerned about is that our governor is has been and is vetoing um, laws. I think it, good laws, bipartisan laws, laws that make sense, laws about expanding polling locations and and um, prohibiting poll books from being connected to the Internet and um, election challenger training and worker training. She, she, she has vetoed more bills than any governor in the history of Michigan, and she's vetoing bipartisan good bills that will give people more confidence in our elections and make them run smoother, and I can't tell you why. I've worked with five governors, and this one I hardly ever see. I don't see her uh, over. She's not communicating. I don't know what she's... We work hard on a bill. We think it's a good bill. The Democrats vote for it, and she just vetoes it. She uses her veto pen a lot. And uh, she is really slowing down progress, along with a Secretary of State that took over the local function without a law that gave her the right to, with COVID as an excuse, and sent out 7.7 .7 million uh, pre-filled out absentee ballot requests, of which over 800,000 were not qualified voters. And then she changed our definition. We left her. When you verify, because we don't know if somebody's moved out of, we know if they've moved out of state, but we can't take them off the voter registration rolls for two federal elections. Ruth? That needs to be changed in Congress as soon as possible. Just like your driver's license when you Ruth, we have to we have yeah. to stop here. I have a break coming okay. up. Unless you want to stick around for a few minutes and we can talk some more. Okay, sounds good. I'll stick around. All right. My guest is uh, Ruth Johnson. She's running for re-election for uh, a seat in the state Senate. We've been talking about redistricting and also uh, election laws and practices in general. We're going to take a short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. And we'll come back and talk a little bit more. And uh, this is important stuff with a primary just two weeks away. So uh, stay tuned. We have more 
straight ahead. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital. Go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. 
These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. It'd be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with uh, a uh, candidate for the state senate. She's running for re-election. She is a former secretary of state for the state of Michigan and uh, joins me by phone, Ruth Johnson. And, Ruth, uh, we've gone a little bit over what we had originally planned on, but uh, it's always such a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. You know what, Tom? I appreciate you getting out real news to people. Um, so often our news is a little bit skewed and um, and uh, get thinking the wrong way sometimes. And so I appreciate you and your program. Well, I'm, I'm glad you, you feel that way, Ruth. Um, I, I do my best for getting all my news from uh, bumper stickers and Facebook memes. <laughs> <laughs> Some people do, you know. I, I know, and, and that's... That's the point I'm making, I guess. Um, but but let's talk a little bit um, more. We've been talking about uh, redistricting and also about <clears throat> um, election processes and um, procedures and and uh, some of the some of the changes, some of the concerns that people have. Do people have reason to be concerned? You know what I tell people, and here's the thing that is giving me hope. We have a resurgence of citizen activism, people that are coming to listen to those that are running to talk, to understanding the system. And hats off to a number of people uh, in some of these citizens' groups that are going to go work the polls and uh, such patriots already that have been working them for a long time, but each community for their poll workers are supposed to have half Democrats and half Republicans. On the west side, sometimes they have a hard time finding Democrats. On the, in southeast Michigan, sometimes they have a hard time finding Republicans. But there's people standing up and taking charge and making sure that they know that our republic and our democracy is, is not a spectator sport. You have to get involved. And when, they, when they're getting involved, it's truly making a difference. And um, I just, it gives me hope. Well, you know, it's funny about that, uh, about that party split. Um, a regular on my uh, political roundtable is Henry Hatter. I don't know if you know Henry, but <clears throat> he is uh, a Republican and an African-American, and, and the first time he was on my show, I asked him which made him feel more like a minority, being African-American or being a Republican in Genesee County. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and we joke about that a lot, um, although I think things are changing a little bit, don't you? Aren't we seeing more Democrats in Oakland County than we used to and, and more Republicans Yeah, when I was a commissioner, it was 18-7, 18 Republicans, 7 Democrats. Now Oakland County 
is has a Democrat county executive, uh, drain commissioner, road commissioner, and uh, the board of commissioners is has one more Democrat than Republican. You know, we used to, uh, when I was uh, a county commissioner, we used to have the staff pre-approve whoever could bid on things. You don't want somebody to bid that's a scammer or been in trouble or doesn't sure. have the reason. So you just made sure about that person. Then you took low bid. Now they are not allowed to take low bid, nor are they allowed to do a financial analysis. You're just told, here, vote for this. And you say, but how much is it going to cost? Nope, we're not going to tell you. And uh, that's just bad governance when you don't have fiscal notes attached. And at the state, I'm, I'm happy to say they're not always accurate, but at least we do require fiscal notes so that we know when we vote on something, who's going to pay and how much is it going to be. But in Oakland County, that's not allowed. They have some kind of a more, much more subjective uh, checklist that they go through on other issues. Well, Ruth, like I said, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I feel like we could talk about some of these things for, for hours, but... Um, we we have to wrap it up a little bit, but I do want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find out more about you and your campaign and and the issues that, that you are concerned about. Do you have a website you'd like to share? Sure. I mean, I have, if you just uh, uh, put in a search engine my name, you can look at both my, that um, uh, will pop up both my political website as well as my senatorial one since I will be um, uh, hopefully representing um, four counties now. Uh, Oakland starts right at my little township, Groveland. We only have 5,600 people. I don't know how I ever won because people do like the hometown person usually. And I was Oakland County Clerk Registered Deeds too. So um, I, I would say that um, if you would consider it, please work a poll, not necessarily in your community, but where they can't find enough for Republicans. We need people on the ground to assure us, the public, that those elections were done properly. And if they weren't, we need to know about that so that we can ensure that they will be in the future if somebody sees something. And, you know, to be an observer is great, and to be a challenger is great, but to work at them that's how we know it can get done properly. And um, so that would be my one um, one request. The other one is don't look at whose name you see the most. Look each person up. If you get a chance, go to one of these meetings. They're held all over the state with the candidates. Listen to what they have to say and ask some hard questions. Ask them what they think about them taking money in an office holder's account, sometimes millions of dollars, without making it uh, open to the public at least four times a year. Uh, I think that's important. We do have a computer system set up at the Secretary of State's office. She's not encouraging it, not using it, <clears throat> not requesting any rules to be changed. And it's often those that are in those positions, the highest positions that get a lot of money from office holders' expense accounts. So um, I would encourage you to get to know those that are running a little bit. And, um, and, and you know, the, the bi biggest backslapper might not be the best person to represent you. You have to really dig. <laughs> and, well, and then the other thing is, once you figure out who you want to vote for, please make sure you take the time to do it. We need to have your voice we need to have you, your, your vote count. And the only way you can do that 
is to vote. And uh, I would heavily encourage everyone out there, no matter what your party affiliation is, to take the time to have your voice heard. People have given up their lives, given up their livelihoods, given up everything so that we have this very precious, very precious constitutional ability to do. Well, Ruth, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking with you, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Once again, Ruth Johnson, uh, she is a state senator running for re-election in uh, a newly apportioned district, and um, she's also a former Secretary of State, so we had a chance to talk a little bit about elections, and that's kind of what we're doing this week. We're talking to a variety of candidates about how the new districting is impacting elections for both newcomers and also for uh, incumbents that are um, running uh, in districts that are somewhat foreign to some of them. And in some cases, we have uh, more than one incumbent running (laughs) in a district, which is a little bit uh, strange and unusual. And more people are paying attention to the idea of district mapping than ever before. So it's really kind of interesting. Don't forget the uh, uh, primary is uh, coming up in two weeks. We'll be talking some more about uh, all of this tomorrow on Armchair Politics. Remember, if it's Wednesday, it's Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. We have our uh, two-hour roundtable at uh, 10 o'clock or the second and third hour of the show. And... um, Let's see, I think Bobby Clayton Walton will be joining our roundtable with uh, Henry Hatter and Paul Rosicki. Our first hour guest is GOP candidate for governor Kevin Rinke will be joining me uh, during the first hour of the show. So be sure and tune in for that. I want to thank all of the guests from today, starting with uh, my guest this past hour, Ruth Johnson. Before that... um, actually had to make a uh, substitution and we had an encore with uh, actor Brad Benedict who um, isn't a member of Secret Service but he plays one on TV and uh, uh, he plays the character uh, Kyle Flint in Tyler Perry's um, what, what would you call it a political uh, soap opera actually on the BET network and um, we started out this morning talking with uh, State Representative Mike Mueller, who is running in one of those districts that's almost completely different than what he ran for. He went from the 51st to the 72nd because of the way they redrew the maps. Anyway, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program, and I hope you will be too. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. 
If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.